Hi guys, welcome back to this, now the second series of the What About podcast. If you've been following us over the past year, you know we've been looking at the culture at Christchurch. Well, we're going to be doing a, a couple of different mini-series over the next year and a, uh, next half a year, sorry, starting with one called 3D Modern Living. We're going to be looking at three topics that practically affect the church and everyday life and their depression, discipleship and doubt. And yes, they all begin with the hence the 3D. I'm very imaginative. Today we're going to be looking at the first of those, which is the topic of depression and mental health. I'm really blessed to be joined this week by Duncan Purvey, who leads our Alpha team with his wife Vicky, and Emmy Bourne, who's going to be our new youth worker in 20 days now. 20 days. All three of us are on a journey with the subject in different ways, and so hopefully it's going to be a, a great conversation and helpful for all of you guys listening in. So welcome. Thank you. Thank you. to be here. Yeah, great to chat to you guys a little bit about the subject today. Maybe if you want to just start by introducing yourselves a bit. Obviously, I, I mentioned sort of a bit church things, but yeah, tell us a bit about yourself. Yeah, so my name is Emmy. I've been a member of Christchurch now for coming up to six years. That's gone really quickly. As I mentioned, I'm going to be taking on the youth worker role in September, which I am beyond excited about. So that's going to be really cool. I also work at a GP surgery um, in the admin department. Um, yeah, I've been living in Helsham for about four years. I've been involved in the church life in various different ways for a while. And yeah, no, I'm really excited to kind of approach this subject because I think it's something that's very important, especially in today's culture. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm Duncan, as Owen said. I co-lead the Alpha team with my wife, Vicky. I've been in the church about 10 years and... I've lived in Helsham for nine of those, and I've been married for five years to Vicky. What else can I say? I'm much older than the lovely Emmy, 50, <laughs> 53, and I'm really pleased to be talking about this subject. It's a subject which I think is really important, and I know, like Emmy, I'm really keen to help people with the little bit of experience that I've had, so hopefully we can be helpful. I love your theme being 3D, mm. by the way. I thought that was really Genius. cool. <laughs> also you've just become a grandfather again Yay! oh yeah, yeah for the second time it's um, very exciting yeah so after being single for 48 years and god promising me a wife suddenly i get married and not only married into a lovely family and uh, my stepson is now an elder in a church but he's had a child so i'm a grandchild and another grandchild so two grandchildren all within the space of five years so it's been it's been uh, god is good making up, making up for the time <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, so it's, it's great to chat to you guys today. And we're going to be yeah, obviously talking about the subject of depression and, and mental health, obviously, including things like anxiety and, and trauma and, and grief within those areas as well as things that people struggle with, with their mental health. I know this is obviously a journey you guys have, have been on. So maybe in just a sort of, sort of a short way, just opening up, what, what does depression and mental health mean to you guys personally? Well, it's such a huge subject, isn't it? I mean, if you haven't had an experience of depression, it's, I would say, impossible to really understand what it's like. Certainly, I've had quite a few bouts of it over the years, and in one way or another, I've had it my whole life. But to, to have, you know, actual clinical depression, which meant that I couldn't function, has happened a few times in my adult life. And before that, I have absolutely no idea how debilitating it was. Now, I don't know about the people listening or, or Emmy or you guys but for me it was just this darkness where it just felt like uh, God wasn't there anymore I couldn't feel his presence because it it just numbs your your feelings and your emotions and any sort of positive thoughts that you took for granted in your everyday life just disappear and so there's this sense of sort of hopelessness almost because you can't see a way out of it and every day you wake up and it's there and there seems to be no end to it so yeah it's it's a horrible thing yeah I was, cause I was thinking about this because mental health is quite a big umbrella term in yeah. general and I think as you would with physical health people as you would physically look after yourself mental health is the same in a sense it's just obviously psychological and mental health is something that I think everyone would have had some experience of at some point but when it comes to mental illness I think it's each each person has their own individual journey each person would who's been through it will be able to empathize to a certain degree but everyone who goes through a difficult time would you wouldn't be able to identify with them 100% because it's all so different. I have had really bad 
bouts of kind of mental health problems from sort of the age of 16 it runs in my family uh, one of my family members has actually got bipolar disorder for those who don't know what that is it's a kind of a chemical imbalance in the head which kind of inhibits the person to be able to control their emotions so it's not just depression but it's also mania and impulsiveness so I kind of spent most of my childhood around quite intense mental health issues and yeah as I grew up I kind of came quite apparent that I had similar problems and I think it's really hard to know what to put it into words it's kind of like you said like I've heard it as described as a big black dog Winston Churchill described his depression as a big black dog that he used to carry around with him and it just follows you everywhere it kind of encompasses everything about you and it can also be extremely isolating because you feel like no one around you really understands what's going on and though even the most loving pastoral people can say the right things, it's really hard to shake off. And I know for a fact, for me, I felt extremely lonely during that time, even though I was surrounded by good people. So for me, mental health is, or mental illness is something that I have had my fair share of experiences in from a personal and from a kind of family point of view and at the time it was horrific but I look back on it and I think I wouldn't be where I am now I wouldn't have the outlook on life and the relationship I have with Jesus would be very you know different because I've I've had to I've physically and mentally had to really lean in him and like clung to him like you know unbelievably had to like cling to him because when you have nothing else in your head to grip onto and Jesus is there you hold on for dear life and I think that's been really shaping for me in my personal journey with it anyway so yeah yeah absolutely I I can testify to that definitely I think it's a mark of a, a Christian is when you're in trouble like that the first place you do is you run to God you run to your father you know there were there's times where I considered leaving the church because it was too difficult to go but I never considered it seriously because I knew that the world had nothing to offer you know that Jesus really was the answer you know my father in heaven was the answer and when I was thinking about this I actually came a few little scriptures which I thought might be helpful sorry I've moved away from the mic I do apologize Um, for those listening because I put my notes on the floor so and I realised that, you know, when we're in that place, what we really need to know is the Father's heart. That's what we need to know. You know, Paul says that we strive on, uh, forgetting what's behind, strive on to, to, towards the goal. But I, I believe that when you're in this place, that, that scripture doesn't apply. It's not a place where you need to sort of just dust yourself off, pick yourself up and strive towards the goal because you can't. And this is where bad advice can actually do you damage if people say things like that to you really what you need to do is take time out and do the opposite you press in to the lord and press into your father because it's his heart towards you which is going to bring the healing that you need so jesus said let's see if i can find it on here you can oh there you go it's on the back of the first one yeah so in matthew 18 Jesus says this, or it says this about Jesus. It says, He called a child to him and placed the child amongst them. That was the crowd. And he said to them, Truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter in the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven, and whoever becomes one, one such child in my name welcomes me and I think that's how we need to come to God we're in this place like Amy was saying you know without Jesus you know she would have been she wouldn't have got through it and that's definitely true for me we come to Jesus like a child we come before him and we just give everything Uh, to him in Psalm 55 it says cast your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you and in, in James and other places, it says, cast your anxieties upon the Lord because he cares for you. So coming to the Lord as a child and just telling him how you feel and telling him literally how you feel and what's going on in your head, he doesn't mind because he cares for you like a father. And then what's the response? Is get before Jesus, go into a quiet place and just come to him like a little child and get to, get closer to him because being closer to him is what you need. Mm. Yeah, that's amazing. Thank you. 
Yeah, I think that's it's something that's as I've been thinking, sort of building up to this podcast, sort of different experiences you know I've had of, of similar to Emily Emmy I have family members you know actually the majority of my family have struggled with mental health issues over the last 20 30 years you know actually it's something that's been really prevalent in my family and I heard I was hearing a talk the other week actually just randomly and a guy was talking about his own experience with mental health and chatting to someone and him going you know okay I'm gonna fight it out I'm gonna fight it out that's sort of almost like you're saying of the running and the guy being like look this is not something that you can fight out in that Mm, way it's not gonna be a brush it off Mm. vibe this is something just dig in dig into God and I think that's really really awesome actually it leads on to something that I've been thinking about which is this whole area of looking at truth in Christ and real and sort of trusting truth when even your feelings don't seem that way it's something that when I've been chatting to people who are struggling with mental health and, and loving people and, and doing life with people as you guys said you know for instance Duncan you said you know I, I just felt God wasn't there obviously you mm. knew God was there yeah but you feel that way and, and sort of I suppose my question would be how do you balance those two things on a day when you go actually I feel like there's no one and nothing how do you say to yourself but I know subject objectively that's not true what where how for someone who's maybe saying you know i want to go into a room with god but i don't see god right now what what where well it's faith isn't it it's faith and it says in the letter to um the hebrews that faith is and hope are very similar there's an overlap between them it says that faith is the assurance of things hoped for Um, and kind of uses hope to describe faith. They're intertwined. And when you're in that place where you, you don't feel that God's there, you can't feel his presence, all those, as I said, those thoughts that you would take for granted on a daily basis seem to have disappeared. You feel like you've got nothing to hang on to and you're isolated and you're alone and you feel like people can't see what's behind your eyes, what's going on. You're in this darkness and all you have left is faith and hope and the bible promises that they don't disappoint it's a promise from the lord and so you know when you're fumbling around in the dark and you can't you're blind and you can't see where you're going you you rest in the hope that doesn't disappoint and you know that god is there even though you can't see him and you don't panic and it also says that we should be patient and you know we're we 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 wait upon the Lord patiently, and then hope increases. And our mind is, is the primary area where the devil attacks us. When Job was com- uh, afflicted with boils and lost his family, what was the devil's uh, goal there? It wasn't to afflict him with boils. Mm. It was to destroy him mentally. The devil wants to destroy our mind. It's a battle for our minds. So I, what I'm saying is that... When we hang on to that hope that dis- doesn't disappoint and we're patient, we know that eventually God will bring us out the other side and we'll be better for it. I think coming at it from like a practical point of view, something, some sort of techniques and mm. things that have helped me through the years, through you know reading people's own testimonies through therapy obviously through reading scripture, it's, it all boils down to the understanding that when you're in a really dark place and everything seems a bit kind of out of grasp and out of kind of sync with what you're thinking and you feel like isolated and alone. I mean, so sort of, I, for me personally, have found looking back at truths that have come to light in my life and proof that God is real and that God has been in my life throughout and my journey certain techniques that I found really helpful were when you're when you're mentally unwell and you spend a long time a long bouts of depression where you feel like there's no joy there's a difference between being unhappy and being depressed you know being depressed there is there is nothing in your life it's not even necessarily like a horrible sadness it's just a kind of non-existent of any emotion at all I would say and so when you do feel joy and when you do find something that makes you happy it can be quite overwhelming because you are like wow, I forgot how this feels. This is amazing. What do I do with this? So I have done in the past is that when I have a huge moment of joy in my life, it could be something really simple like a really lovely evening with friends where I spent the entire time laughing 
or when I have a real kind of affirming moment with someone or um, I have a breakthrough with my mental health I in my head physically put it in a box tie it up with a pretty ribbon and put it on a shelf in my head I do it physically I I sit there and I do the process in my and I have a shelf of boxes with pretty ribbons in my head and when I come to a, a part where I feel like there is no good in the world and that I'm alone and I have no friends or I'm never going to be happy again I physically go to this shelf I take a box down I take the ribbon off and I look inside the box and remind myself that there is such things as joy and as a Christian we remind ourselves daily that good times and joyful times are from God and I remind myself when I feel like God isn't there or he's distant that actually he's proven himself over and over and over again to be a God who loves his people and a God who provides for his people so I ground myself um, in these promises and physically remind myself by taking boxes off the shelves because for me I've just been taught and I've learned that actually physical kind of um, routines are actually really helpful like from a practical point of view I'm coming from and when because we live in a world where <laughs> you know it's all about self-worth and it's all about me and it's all about how do I feel and how do I my my points of view or the way I feel is validated through me alone and no one else sort of thing and it's really easy to kind of get lost in that in today's culture of feeling like you need to be validated but then not validated by people but by yourself it's like a weird vicious circle and so you find you try to seek things out in the world that are going to validate you and make you feel like you're worthy or make you feel like you're joyful and that can come in all different shapes and sizes but that's that's the flesh that's kind of the enemy's trying to draw you away from the truth that god has written in scripture and so it's a case of making the physical not just the mental but the physical choice to turn away from it come back to the truths that you know are there and just keep just keep washing over yourself because it's very easy to start relying on people more than anything for self-validation and self-worth and I think that's not helpful because at the end of the day people will let you down it sounds really really like morbid but it's true like you know at the end of the day people humans are humans and they have restrictions and they have limits to what they can often suggest and when it comes to it God is limitless like there is nothing that he can't do so I find myself seeking the help of people but reminding myself that at the ground level of everything God is where I seek to get my validation and my understanding of who I am in his eyes and what he did for me on the cross so amazing yeah, yeah I think those I think those physical structures as well are, are, mm, are really important do. as well I think the that that put taking the time to physically as it were put that box on the mm. shelf doing those things I think often is is so useful and doing things as well I've I found in, in my experience there was a, a period of my time where you know I wouldn't say it was it wasn't anything to the extent of what you guys are experiencing but it was definitely a sort of a darker sort of slightly more numb time over a couple of months and something that I did was I put bible verses on post-its at places where I knew that I would go so for instance they was there was one specific one on my mirror which meant that whenever I brushed my teeth in the morning and I did it at night I knew that I would see it it was on the inside there was one on the inside of my cupboard so when I went to get clothes I knew that I would see it mm. and those physical links there of, of truth I found incredibly incredibly useful yeah could I pick up on some of those because I, I really liked what um, you were saying Emmy and picking up on you said that you remember the good things that God has done for you mm. in the past uh, and I, I certainly have done that myself and it, it does we know that God is outside of time he knows our future he knows we're going to have these issues and I, I firmly believe that he did things in my life knowing that years later I would be hanging on to those mm. because I needed them I didn't need them now but I would need them later and that the thing about mental health issues particularly really deep depression is that the fog in your mind means that you don't just have a, a, a sort of, like you said, a numbness. It's not like a, just a deep sadness. It's a lack of feelings. That doesn't just affect your present thoughts. It also affects your memories. So when you try to think of good things from the past, you can't access the good feelings that those memories would normally bring. But when you 
access the memories on what God has done for you, then you're standing on the truth. You can go, ah, now God was good in this situation. God did this. God did this. So I will believe that he's still like that. It's just that I can't see it. And it's this fog that affects your past memories as well. It, it's really, really horrible. And the other thing I wanted to pick up on was going back to the father's heart. Now, I did, I did some practical things like you. I, did, I didn't do the boxes with the bows. But, you know, practical things like getting outside of the house and uh, just spending time with friends I found really useful and avoiding people who I felt didn't do me any good because people will let you. But getting back to the father's heart, it's the father that we need. He's the only one who really understands. It says this in the Bible. This is Isaiah 50, 40, sorry, beg your pardon. It says, he tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms. He carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those who have young. That's the father's heart for us, that he tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers us in his arms. You know, we, we can't ex- necessarily experience that as an emotion when we're in that place, but we know it's the truth and God is unchanging. So that's where faith comes in. And then it goes on to say, why do you complain, Jacob? Why do you say, my way is hidden from the Lord, my cause is disregarded from my God? You know, that's how it can feel. It feels like even God has abandoned you or he doesn't care. But then it says, do you not know, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He doesn't grow tired or weary, so he never changes. And then it says, he increases the power of the weak, Even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Why would we want to rely on anyone but God when he makes these promises to us? And that's his Father's heart for us. Definitely. Yeah, I think it's that that sense of standing in truth when even truth seems to be in your in your mind sort of slipping i think is incredibly important i think it's something though that's incredibly difficult in in the sense of um i can't it's it's strange for me in some ways because i'm quite black and white and blunt in the and emmy's nodded there i'm exactly the same (laughs) i've not found you like that well so there's a there's a sense in which i go so in my mind i genuinely can go like i know that this is true and even if i don't like i suppose it's kind of there and but when i chat with so like i'm sure she won't mind me saying but my wife Catherine like has really struggled with her mental health and there are days when she goes sort of you know kind of that doesn't feel the way and so because that in some ways the life she is living is if it isn't there and I the whole thing of looking in that situation I sometimes really struggle to empathize in that way because I I have that weird sort of box blunt mind but when the more I hear about it the more my heart just aches for 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 that situation of 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 yeah seeing that and not seeing the truth for that because the the almost yeah those covers are over but yeah no i think it's a a really tricky thing thank you guys for being so honest about your your experiences and and how you have gone that i think one thing that i just wanted to pick up a little bit more on was that idea of sort of practical things that you guys put in place with duncan you said about sort of getting out and 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 sort of getting outside emmy you've spoken about sort of time with friends and, and things like that and duncan you mentioned that as well are there other things sort of you would go you know, if you are starting to feel yourself descend into that, what are some practical, like, key things that you can do? Well, staying with spiritual side for a moment, there are practical spiritual things which I learned along the way. I, I went for counselling, a really great counsellor uh, that I saw in Worthing. He was absolutely brilliant. And... He was different to all the other counsellors I ever went to. And I went to see him when I was in my absolute darkest, worst place, completely broken. You know, I remember one day just looking at the carpet and feeling like I was, I had this picture that my whole body were like these, like Lego blocks or stickly, stickle blocks or whatever you call them from when you were kids. And it had all fallen apart and all my pieces were all over the floor. I was as broken as you could get. And so... That was the time I was seeing this counsellor and I sat down and I explained the whole situation to him and whenever I told him how I felt, 
or what I was thinking, all he did was say, that's not true. You are this, not that. This is true, not that. And he spent the whole weeks and weeks I went to him, and all he did was sit there and just turn around everything I said into truth. I think that's the first practical thing we can do. You know, we can ask our friends to do that, or we can do it for ourselves. But it was brilliant. I, I remember leaving feeling that those lies, which, by the way, are wrapped up as truth because the devil's not stupid. He knows you're not going to believe a lie if he just hands you a big, fat, barking dog. You're not going to receive it. So he wraps it up as if it's the truth and gets you to believe this lie is the truth. But when you dig and you rip it apart and you untake the wrapping off, you realise there's nastiness inside. And that's what he was doing, That my counsellor. He was just saying, look, unwrap it. That's not true. So that's the first thing. The other thing is that he taught me that when I had a condemning thought come or a fear come out of the blue, pray immediately. Don't, don't dwell on it. Don't leave it. Pray. Because if you, every time the devil puts a thought in your head, if you pray about it, the devil won't like that, so he'll stop doing it. So I, I started doing that. I was driving along in the car and this thought came, which seemed like a, one of those dead ends. You know where you feel like there's no way out and you're at a dead end? This thought was blocking me in. I couldn't see any way out of this thought. It was scary. And so I prayed against it and I, I started worshipping Jesus. And then another time, same thing came. It was horrendous, so I started worshipping Jesus. Then I found out they stopped happening because every time the devil was telling me this lie or showing me this dead end, I praised Jesus. So he's, going, he's not going to do that, is he? He doesn't want you to worship Jesus. So there are practical things we can do in a spiritual way. I got into photography. That's how I got into photography. I bought a camera and because, like Emmy said, you know, you don't feel like talking to people Sometimes you just sometimes you just closed off. It was a great way of me getting into something that was creative and beautiful that I can enjoy and focus on and help me get my mind off of the other things. And I didn't necessarily have to talk to people. So that for me was a good thing. Yeah, I mean, I think when it comes to practicalities of like what you can do physically to help yourself, because I th- I'm a big believer that mental health has a big hand-in-hand relationship with physical health and I think it's important to know that they're both linked in some way and so for me practicalities included looking after myself physically and whether that was exercise whether that was making sure I was eating foods that well yeah because obviously alcohol is but it's more it's more it was more based on kind of obviously I'm a big foodie I love food and I'm not saying that to get over depression you must go on a diet which is not what I'm saying but what I'm saying is that self-care is something that I, I constantly drill into myself because if I'm not looking after myself physically through sleep hygiene and um, through my diet or what I'm putting in my body and also physical kind of exercise, then my I'm going to be putting up against the odds for my, my my mental health to be good. So it's it's things like that. You say like getting out is a big thing, like fresh air. Again, all, all these practicalities that we say are not going to be quick fixes. They're not necessarily going to you know sort everything out but they'd certainly help and there it's almost like a way of you kind of rebooting yourself and reminding yourself that you are your body doesn't have a control over you and obviously as a christian we believe that you know our bodies belong to god but it's a kind of understanding of you need to look after yourself and it's your responsibility to do that and if you're not looking after yourself then it means that your mental health often will take a beating but when you've got like like a mental health like depression or anxiety it's really hard to prioritize those things and so like I say I say I don't say it lightly because as someone who has had really really horrendous bouts of both anxiety and depression and other things I remember thinking that the last thing I wanted to do was to go for a walk or the last thing I wanted to do was to you know maybe eat something that wasn't beige but it it doesn't fix everything but it certainly is a step in the right direction and other practicalities is just reaching out to people again one of the hardest things to do when you're not feeling mentally well is to message someone and so it's not again an easy fix per se but I think it's important to reach out and just let people be honest with people that you trust and and just write every simple message saying mentally I'm not doing well at all at the moment can you pray for me or mentally I'm not doing very well at the moment can 
can I come over or something like that or can you um just have me in your thoughts you know and I think it's just nice to have that avenue out because again from a Christian standing point the the enemy wants to isolate you not just from God but from the people around you who he knows are going to help you and so you have the power to stop that by reaching out and it takes every fiber of a being especially when you're really not mentally feeling well but I feel like sometimes there is an expectation for everyone on both parties whether you're struggling or whether you know someone who's struggling there's an expectation for everyone to be understanding of what's going on and to be fully kind of up to date with it and I think that's not fair because I don't think it's fair for someone who's not struggling to try and 100% understand what the other person's going through and vice versa like the person who is struggling I don't think it's fair to get annoyed at someone if they don't understand what's going on in your head because why would they you know it's your own journey it's you know it's your own mental health problem I think it's not fair to get annoyed or expect so much out of people you know it's very much a journey that you have to make an effort to try and help yourself through physical care as well as making an effort to reach out yeah it's there's definitely a sense in which when we're in this place everyone's mental health issues are different but one thing that is very similar is a sense of despising oneself not having a sense of value and valuing yourself certainly I was in places where I felt like I was the worst person on earth you know just looking you you look within yourself and all you find is horrible things getting out and spending time doing exercise and spending time with good friends getting into a hobby going on holiday they get your eyes off of yourself they stop you from putting yourself down and thinking the worst about yourself which is all lies by the way We know, by looking at the Bible, that God loves us and he will never stop loving us, that he values us so much that he was willing to give up his only son to die for us. That's how much he loves us. So we mustn't put ourselves down. We need to, as Emmy said, we need to look after ourselves. We need to treat ourselves well. And it's got to start with us. God already does treat us well. He already does. He already loves this. As we said, he he picks up the lambs and cuddles them. He wants us to have a sound mind. But we have to do that as well. And just wallowing in it is not going to help. So I definitely think, you know, these practical things, it really helps us to get our eyes off ourselves and onto other things. They're not quick fixes, but they're part of the process because... There's no instant healing from these things. And I believe that I'm going to be up and down struggling with these for, for the rest of my life. But they're not going to prevent me from enjoying my life. Because like Emmy, I know how to manage it now. You know, I know I don't fall for the same schemes that the enemy used to throw at. So, and talking about the black dog, you know, you mentioned the black dog earlier. I was thinking about, can I share something that I think is really appropriate? I knew about a week ago that we were going to do this. And interestingly, out of the blue, on Monday, I had a really bad depressive episode, the first one I've had for years. It was horrible. It was, I was right back in this frightening, terrible place on Monday I was really struggling it wasn't so bad that I was lying in bed like I used to but I was struggling to get through my day every step was hard work and I was trying to ignore it and I was thinking about the father's heart and coming to him like a child and I just got down on my knees and I just got before God and I told him how I felt and I just poured my heart out to him and instantly I felt closer to him and just because I felt closer to his heart and his love love perfect love drives out fear I had a better perspective on his value for me took my eyes off of my problem took my eyes off of the barking dog and got my eyes back onto him and just the peace started to come the next day I felt a little bit better the next day I felt a lot better and today it's gone And I remember saying to a friend of mine, is this a coincidence that I'm going to be talking about 
mental health and depression with Owen and uh, Emmy on Thursday. And on Monday, I have a huge attack. It can't be a coincidence. And, I, and it brought to my mind, brought to the surface, the answer of getting on your knees and just coming close to, to God. You know, the, the Father's heart is what we need because he loves us. It's, it's really interesting what to describe there in terms of, firstly, thank you for sharing that. That's, that's amazing. But it, 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 it brings to mind, there's a story in, I can't remember if it's in 2 Samuel, where you hear three different descriptions across Samuel Chronicles, and it's mentioned elsewhere in the Bible. And it's when David brings a census and it says, David did this. And then it says, the devil prompted David to do this. And then it's God. Yeah. And this whole sense of you having this depressive episode on, on Monday and it, and it comes to you there that the enemy being like, oh, let's try and distract Duncan. Mm. But then God's sovereignty being like, oh, no, this yeah. is, this is going to be a, a teaching point. This is going to be something good that Duncan's going to bring. And the enemy having no clue that that's going to happen. No. Just trying to do what he can. And I think that's that's incredible in the sense of, of God's heart for for us. And, you know, obviously, I'm not saying you don't want to fall into the thing of sort of every time you're struggling going, oh, but it's okay because it will be a teaching moment. That's not what I'm <laughs> saying. But God sometimes brings these things through for the betterment of his, his people. And- well, actually picking up on that, there was something I definitely wanted to share also when I was praying about this and thinking it through. And that is that God allows us to go through these things for a reason, for a purpose. And I believe that there are teachable things in, in these moments. If we come to him like a child, then a child is open to learn. A child receives the father's instruction and listens to the father's voice. And that's what God wants for us. He wants us to depend on him like children. So in these moments where we come to him, like I did on Monday, I learned something. And out of the terrible times that we have, rather than, like I said, rather than trying to just strive forward. Of course, we've got to do the practical things, but that's not what I'm talking about. We don't want to rush out of it. What we need to do is live in the moment, in the now, in the present, get before God and listen to what he's teaching us out of it and what he's saying, because from what I'm hearing from Emmy, it's almost, you know, I don't really know Emmy that well. And yet she's saying things exactly the same as my experience, that, that she's learnt things by getting close to God. I think that it's possible that if you don't just take time to, to think about what God's saying to you and what he's doing through your situation, that you can come out not having your character built and learning very little from the experience. So it's an opportunity for you to take, just live in the here and now. Don't worry about the future. Don't worry about the fact that you feel like your life has been put on pause and everyone else is moving on with their lives and you're missing out. Trust God for that because he promises he'll make up for the years the locusts have eaten. But just listen to what God's saying now and take time to learn from him and learn from that experience because you have no idea how God's going to use this in the future. Amazing. Awesome. Just a couple of things that sort of come to my mind from what you guys have been saying that I think it would be great to just reiterate, I suppose, for people who are listening in is what that number one thing you said of, of being being patient with yourself, being sort of having compassion on yourself. I think often we, we have patience for other people and we have compassion for other people, but we we say to ourselves, no, it shouldn't, we shouldn't be like that. And I think that that pausing and that being patient with yourself is, is really important. I think, Emmy, what you said about the, the physical nature of, you know, for instance, eating well isn't going to suddenly fix everything. However, we've all had that time when we're eating bad and we're not exercising, we feel sluggish and bad anyway. Don't add that onto what you, you've already got. And that sort of that physical sense of taking care of yourself as well, I think is really important. And also, like for instance, I know that... Um, little things help me like for instance if I've made a bed I'm not going to get back into it just naturally my brain works that way and so for instance if I'm having a day when I'm like actually no it'd be easy just to be in bed all day if I make the bed I'm not going back into it just little things like that and then finally I think just Duncan what you said about being in the moment allowing yourself to be in the moment and just 
be with God where he is and where you are is really, really important. So hopefully that'll be really helpful for someone who's listening in. I also just want to move on slightly, which is just to, uh, there may be people listening in who go, yeah, I, I really see that in other people. I really see that in friends and family. What would you say is some of the best things that we can do to support someone else who is going through mental health issues in that way? What are things that, you know, someone listening in saying, you know, my partner, you know, yeah. father, mother, brother, sister, brother in Christ, sister in Christ is going through this. What can I do? I think there's a, there's a saying that goes around a lot of saying, you know, if someone broke their leg, you wouldn't say for them to go and get up and just go over it and go for a run and... And as much as I think that's it is helpful because obviously if someone's got a mental health problem and they are feeling, you know, depressed per se, and as I said before, depression is not just feeling sad, it's way more than that. Um, you wouldn't say a bit saying to them, can't you just kind of just get up and get going and, you know, you brush it off and you'll be fine. Obviously that's not helpful. But I think the big thing that I would pin right down is love is patient and kind is what it says in 1 Corinthians 13 it says you know love is patient and kind and it's very easy to be patient and kind with people who are like you who are similar minded who are on the same page as you who are not necessarily struggling it's a lot easier to be patient and kind with people that are yeah who are who are basically you know not going through anything in particular and it's easy to slot into their life and they slot into your life it's easy to be patient and kind so when it comes to someone who is struggling with mental health I can I can say it because I've struggled with my mental health you know it's draining it's extremely draining to to be like if you're trying to help someone who's got mental health problems it gets very draining and I I feel like it's fair to say that I don't think it's unfair I might have a community of people with mental health problems chasing me down the street when I say this <laughs> but I think actually it is very draining um, and it's very time consuming so it does take patience and you do have to be kind because more than often not without meaning to I know that I was extremely abrupt I was very kind of dismissive I was quite I wallowed I resisted help I pushed people away so it took so much kindness and so much patience from people to continue to love and care for me even when I was being hard work and I couldn't help it I I wasn't 100% you know in control of what was going on so it wasn't like I was trying to be those things but I think when you are looking and looking after and caring for someone with mental health the first thing is just to be patient and just to be kind with them you know take the time to take a step back when you're just like for goodness sake this is you know this I can't do this this is too draining it's just to be kind of mindful of how like I feel that some of the biggest heroes out there are people who love and care for those who are mentally unwell whether it's family members or whether it's friends I feel like those people are incredible and if I look and I look back on my journey of my mental health problems I am beyond grateful to those who stuck by me who helped me who cared for me who continued to pick me up who continued to come back when I push them away so just for people out there who are caring and loving those who are mentally unwell you're doing a grand job but all I would say is just be patient and be kind and just to continue to love them to not try to fix them not don't continue you know continue to suggest things that are going to be helpful that you find helpful because it might not be what they find helpful and to not try and fully understand what they're going through because like I said I don't think it's fair to expect people to fully understand what's going on in someone's head because you won't, no. you won't ever know fully. So I think it's important to come at it from a humble point of view, to come at it with a sense of I'm not trying to fix you, I'm not going to try and um, sort this out for you. You know, just give me give me five minutes and I'll I'll get this sorted. It's very much a case of what can I do to help? Yeah. What can I do to suggest that's gonna? What do you want me to do at this moment in time? And, and not kind of get frustrated or run a mile if they don't reply to your text or if they say no actually I'm fine when you know they're not fine it's a case of just pursuing because God pursues us all the time like the number of times that we all are like nah I can do this myself we're good and God's like you can't but that's okay I'll wait here until you know that you need me um it's a great question that what you know what can I be doing to help mm -hmm. you not what you know this is what you need yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly and, and yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I can I can sort this out for you because I I know what yeah 
what it feels to be mentally well so therefore i must know how to do it it's not and that that i've got to say i've got to say as you're as you're saying it there's something inside my mind that's just hitting me which is going you do that (laughs) i mean i wasn't saying that at you (laughs) no no i know but i know i know that Catherine will say that as well that the vibe of what you just said of like because you're mentally you're not mentally struggling that means you know what to do (laughs) i was like oh dagger to the heart It's, it's, it's yeah. so true that you know when when you when you're in a bad state, you know I I get angry and I would lash out at people. And it's not that I I was particularly angry with them. It's just the anger was within me and it just comes out, and and the frustration and you know I could be very black and white. So yeah, you know being very grateful for the friends who stuck past us when we were in those difficult like times. Like I said, heroes. You're all heroes. heroes. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but I I was thinking that. For me, having one really faithful, patient friend was better than having a hundred impatient friends. And I can think of one particular guy, I'm going to name him, Matt, you know who you are. He was there. And the great thing about Matt is that he would just listen to me talk for, for hours and he would just listen. Sometimes he would offer a bit of advice, but... The main thing is that he would listen and he would never judge. There was never a sense that he judged me or wanted to put me down. But at the same time, he wasn't trying really hard to build me up. He was just listening. And he was a faithful friend, a genuine friend. And made me realise the best friends are the ones who don't have a hidden agenda. You know, they're not the ones who come wanting to... You know, they genuinely just want to know you and are genuinely interested in you. The best time that I had with the Holy Spirit was a time where I felt the Spirit was my, the Holy Spirit was genuinely my friend. And when I was doing my photography, the Holy Spirit, I would be looking at a photo and thinking, that that photo, that the sunset there looks beautiful. And I felt like the Holy Spirit was looking at the photo with me and saying, yeah, it's really beautiful. And I know that sounds a little bit out there. No, it's great. But Jesus said that he sends the Holy Spirit to be our counsellor. He would send the Holy Spirit to be our counsellor. The Holy Spirit is the best friend, the best counsellor you can have, you can ever have. And this, I think it's so important that, first of all, we seek the Holy Spirit to be filled with the Spirit. The, spirits, uh, the Bible says we're no longer slaves to be slaves to fear. We're given a spirit of peace and joy so be filled with the spirit but also when we do find earthly friends find earthly friends that are like jesus that are like the holy spirit the spirit doesn't keep giving you advice the holy spirit doesn't keep nagging you telling you you're wrong the holy spirit's a gentleman he just spends time with you and takes an interest in you and listens so find people who are like that people who don't use simple answers People who will tell you the truth when you're believing lies. Just tell you the truth. You know, that's not true. You're not like that. That situation is not true. And people who will give you their time, like Emmy said, it can be so time-consuming. So draining. Very draining on people. And I remember literally feeling like I was dog do on somebody's shoe. I literally felt like that. I remember describing that's how I felt. That's how people had made me feel about myself. And Andy said, I'll put you in touch with a couple of guys who can counsel you and pray for you. And there was two great guys, David and Dennis. And they were, I'd never met them before. And they came around my house and I told them my situation. They said, we'll commit to this. And they said it in a way like they, was, they knew that this was gonna be a big commitment that they were going to have to give up a lot of their time for me. And, and they did, and it took months. They would come around my house every week for months and spend three hours just letting me talk to them, telling me the truth and praying with me until one day I realised that I had to change my heart towards God. And there was like this hallelujah moment. But it took them months and hours and hours. And I remember saying to David, why have you done this? Why have you given me all this time? And he said, well, because I'd like to be like Jesus. 
And I said, well, no disrespect, but you're, you're not Jesus. <laughs> and it, so how can you do that? He said, I, but that's what I don't believe in, in just giving people my time by half measures. That if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it properly. Invest in it. Invest in it. And I thought nobody had done that for me, except my mate Matt. Nobody had done that for me in the church, which comes on to another question you said is, what can the church do? Yeah. You know, I think this is the greatest thing the church can do is, like Andy did, nominate a couple of people or one person that can be your friend, but also who will really sacrifice their time for you because it's a long journey. It takes commitment. Mm. I think for me, something that I found really helpful when it came to someone looking after me, because there was a period of time when I was at university that I, I mean, University was an interesting three years of my life, to say the least. But I, I spent a lot of time in respite care, in and out of respite care. And on one occasion, I went and stayed uh, with my nan, who happened to live really close by. And I stayed with her for probably about a month, I would say. And my nan had a lot of experience when it came to mental health because she had had to look after certain family members who were acutely unwell for a long period of time. So my nan was like a veteran when it came to helping and the one thing that I just remember so clearly her doing was that she just let me be she was quiet because as someone who physically really struggled with intrusive thoughts and a constant battle of voices in my head I found it really helpful just being around someone who just let me be she just let me quietly watch tv quietly read a book go to bed at five o'clock in the afternoon you know she didn't sit with me on a daily basis and have really deep conversations because they are helpful but she was just so peaceful to be around and I think sometimes when you're trying to help someone who's mentally unwell there shouldn't always be an expectation that you're gonna have really really deep chats but actually you're just gonna be with each other there's one of my favorite psalms in the bible is psalm 18 and it talks about how the enemy's encroaching like it describes its snares kind of entwining around you and how you know god comes thundering through heaven and like spitting hailstones and he's just raging at the fact that the enemy is coming anywhere near you and there's a beautiful image of how he scoops you up and he puts you in quiet waters Mm -hmm. and that always stayed with me because it does feel like you're being ensnared on and that you're suffocating because you've got so many negativity negative thoughts around you but that beautiful image of God kind of coming forth with such rage at the fact that the enemy's trying to do that and then quietly picking you up and putting you in still waters and that image will always remain with me because actually sometimes peace and rest and just being quiet with people is really lovely and I think I know that I had some wonderful deep chats with people but I will be forever grateful to my nan who just let me veg in my pyjamas for a month and didn't expect anything of me. She just looked after me physically as well as mentally. And that rest was actually really helpful. And I think coming at it from a point of view, I think you don't always have to have really deep, meaningful chats with people who are mentally unwell. Sometimes just going around and watching a film together or going around and just reading a book in the same room as each other but not talking is just as healing as having a having a really deep chat and I think sometimes when you're mentally unwell you're physically exhausted and sometimes you don't like after counseling I always felt extremely tired and so I never really wanted to do much and mum me and my mum used to go to Sainsbury's after my counseling sessions and just sit silently drinking tea together it was it's always difficult to mentally calm yourself down and so having someone who does it for you can be quite helpful and balancing that with the idea of that god is always going to draw you into calm waters into quiet places because that's what he wants he he knows where's best for you and he will come i mentioned sorry no no it's fine. Yeah, yeah sorry i mentioned two things also that i think the church can do i can't remember where it is maybe you can remind me but there's a scripture that says it might be in james that if someone falls into sin restore them gently and I'll look it up later so I can remember where it is but yes so he says you know if they fall into sin restore them gently I think sometimes leaders elders people within the church they're so busy they have so many things to do 
and it's so easy to be impatient and just lack that gentleness. I'm not thinking of anyone in particular, but I would say gentleness is really important, even if someone has got depression because they've fallen into sin and they feel bad for what they've done or there's, there's a consequence for their own stupid actions. Being gentle, I think, is key because you don't understand the suffering that someone's going on behind their eyes. And having a go at them or pointing out their failures or being blunt with them or just being impatient with them can actually really, really hurt more than you know. They might not show it at the, mo uh, at the time, but that person may go home and really suffer later. Going Because one of the things about depression is you obsess over little things. And those things you can go round and round and round and round in your head for days, for weeks. I think it, I think ignorance, unfortunately, is, is yeah. quite a big thing that runs throughout any form of leadership, not just in a church. But I think it's something that I think can be massively unhelpful because I think unless you have physically experienced it, then like I said before, you're not necessarily going to understand it. And then that's not a bad thing against that person. Uh, it's yeah. not something they can be blamed for. But I think 100% is really important that you have people in the church who are designated for particular pastoral care that focuses on mental health uh, or mental illnesses and not again having the training that means you have like textbook answers to everything that's going on but it just gives you a wider understanding of how to as you would with safeguarding or as you would with any other kind of subject or topic, whether it's kind of trauma or whether it's abuse or whether it's kind of marital problems or anything like that, you know, having training or having a kind of wider understanding means that you can come at it with a much more broader spectrum of knowledge that's going to help people who are struggling with it. And as long as I said before, as long as you come at it with a, hum a humble heart, you're already you know storming ahead because humility is is something that is really important when it comes to dealing with something like this because i wanted to talk about the medical side of it as well just because i think that's something that especially in, in today's culture medicine and, and medical support are becoming more and more well they were very kind of it was quite big for a while and now it's kind of coming down to kind of mindfulness and kind of natural remedies and the idea of pumping your body through with medicine is kind of abhorrent and something that people don't want to do. And again, if you know someone who's mentally unwell and they're on medication, it's like, wow, this is big. They're on they're on medicine. This this changes everything. You know, this suddenly makes it really serious. Because I really fought against going on medication for a long time because I didn't like the idea of pumping my body full of chemicals or inhibiting who I was truly inside or clouding my judgment or using it as a crutch to kind of get on with life and it was actually a really kind of humble conversation or humble made me very humble conversation I had with one of my lecturers at Moorlands it was again a bad patch that I was having and I sat down with him and he basically turned around and I said how he said are you on medication and I said no I don't want to go on medication and listed off everything I've just said and he turned around and said but God has put these people on this planet who are medically trained who have the medical knowledge who have been given the wisdom to deal with these problems and also has given us the remedies and the ingredients and the plants and the means to create this medication why wouldn't you take it why wouldn't you want to do something that's going to enable you to at least try and pick yourself up because some some mental health issues are and can be dealt with through therapy and can be dealt through with conversations and with like self-care but some can't and with bipolar in particular it's a it's a tough tough topic and there are lots of opinions on it but as someone who has witnessed someone with bipolar if they were not on medication it would be horrific they would be literally all over the place and as someone who i'm happy to say i'm on medication for what i struggle with and have been for many moons i don't see my medication as a crutch i don't see it as something that i use to fix my problems the way i look at it it's it's, it's a god-given gift it's something that i've been provided with the opportunity to have and it enables me to be clear-minded enough to function on a level that is meaning that i can do day-to-day -day life and do God's work on this planet. Yeah, it's something I, I definitely wanted to chat about and, and yeah. I think go because I think it is something that 
is is a, it's a tough discussion mm, and i, I don't yeah. think it's a it's not a black and white and it just in the same way as we, we spoke earlier specifically about you know mental health and physical health in the sense of you go to a doctor and you say this is the issue they they weigh up what is going to be the best thing for you and just as when you go to a doctor with certain ailments they're not going to be prescribing you drugs of a certain way it might be something else that is going to be better there will be situations where people will be in where actually you know medication won't be what they need however the issue is when you dismiss it out of hand yeah and i think that that's something that is important and that comes from someone who I can openly say I've struggled with this issue. I mean, me and you, I remember having a conversation Mm. about this only about a year ago, probably, in that I grew up in a family where there was a lot of medication. There was a lot of it. And with particular member of my family who who has had a number of those things over the years. And and that always scared me. And I don't think I ever realised how much that scared me. And it's taken, yeah, conversations with people and weighing it through and praying as to be to get to a point where I am today where I go, actually, you know what? Yeah, as you said, God has, has created these things. God has destined these things. Obviously, if at any point it is becoming something that you feel like is becoming like I, an idol in your life or any sort of that, then, oh, yeah. yeah, then that's a problem. Mm. But that's not what we're talking about here. No. We're not talking about unhealthy use of medication. But this is where wisdom comes but in. But that's where, yeah, exactly. That's where wisdom comes up with yeah. any area of your life. And if that is what's needed and that's what is going to be best for you, then, yeah, I would agree with Duncan. Don't feel like yeah. you are weak in your faith or failing as a Christian by looking for those things. Please don't. I think it's also important to kind of note you know take into account that everyone on this podcast has either experienced or witnessed people with mental health problems but none of us are medically trained or are medical professionals and so it's easy for us to sit here and say this stuff but when it really genuinely comes down to the practicalities of mental health it's important to speak to people who know what they're talking about when it comes down to the actual medication because there are so many different medications out there i have tried many and i finally settled on ones that have worked for me it's the same with most medications whether it's to do with pain control or you know cholesterol or whatever sometimes the first medication you're given doesn't work or it doesn't suit you so you try something else until you find one that um, works for you but i just know a lot of people who have struggled mentally for years and as soon as someone says have you gone and spoken to a doctor their instinctive reaction is to say well no because they're just going to shove me on some medication and I can understand that because sometimes you, you, do, you it does feel a little bit like you, that's the straightaway answer is okay we'll just shove you on this pill but I know that I would not be able to I wouldn't be sitting here as I am today at the level of capacity that I'm able to do work-wise and life-wise without the medication I'm on. And I don't use it as a crutch. I don't um, see it as something that's kind of, not something that's holding me up, but something that's kind of almost like defogging a windscreen for me that's enabling me to see a lot clearer. And And I think that, like I said before, I feel like God has put people on this planet who have a certain skill set, whether it's medication or, you know, medicine or whether it's architecture or whether it's, carpentry or whether it's food you know there we're all built differently and we're all being given gifts and skill sets to be able to give versatility across the board and I think I just encourage people who hear the word medication and, and kind of find it frightening because they think that it either suggests that you're no longer able to look after yourself properly or you've failed or there's a shame behind it or actually it's you know you're putting chemicals in your body that are going to change who you are. Because I remember my member of my family that has bipolar, they were worried that they were going to lose their creative um, nature because that person's very creative. They're, they're an artist, an extremely talented artist. And they were worried that medication was going to mean that they were going to lose that. But if anything, it meant that that person was able to do the things that they loved because they were able to get up in the morning. They were able to take a shower. They were able to put things on the table and and create beautiful pieces of art and also eat and go out for a walk. And, and the other lie the devil can tell you as well is that in a spiritual way, it, you know, that, 
oh, does that mean that I'm missing out in my walk with God? Does that mean that I'm missing out on my calling? Mm. Does it mean that he can't use me as much? Does that mean that God doesn't value me as much because I'm not doing what I, I'm I'm not functioning. I'm I'm only functioning on three cylinders instead of four. So does that mean that I'm not really producing what I should for God? Does it mean that I won't get my reward as much? And, you know, that's all nonsense. Coming back to the Father's heart. His, his heart for you is so huge that he does not see you being on medication as an issue. He sees it as a blessing. It's a blessing. Take it if you need it. If you don't need it, don't take it. But if you need it, be on it because it does clear the fog, you know, as Emmy said, and helps me to get closer to God, actually. You know, you go to the doctor... And it's almost like a dispensary thing, isn't it? You just go to the doctor, say, this is what I need, he gives it to you, you go. You come to God and it's a relationship. What you go to God for is different. You go to him for your emotional and your spiritual needs. It's a relationship, getting close to him. and says that he will guard your heart and your mind if you draw near. He promises if you draw near to him, he'll draw near to, to you. No, so you go to your doctor, few medication. Like it's just like putting a coin in the slot and getting what you need. You go to your sorry, I don't mean to devalue doctors. I realise what I'm doing there. I'm, I'm just saying that's not where your main yeah, relationship yeah. is. Mm. Your main yeah. relationship is Jesus. Yeah, your identity, your, your relationship identity. is Jesus. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, I think that's I think that's really good. And, and you know, if you're listening in, and you know, this is something that has been of of, of value to you and has, has spoken to you maybe you you're like Duncan said being up and down and you're, you're struggling and maybe you're you're feeling lonely in that dark place maybe you're you're supporting someone else and you feel really alone in that you know please come chat to someone we would love to chat with you contact the office contact one of us we would love to chat the church has people who uh want to yeah come around you and support you in this situation and if it re- if it requires sort of a you know widely open in different areas then that's a conversation that can happen as well yeah amazing incredible thank you so much guys for your thoughts your wisdom vulnerability in sharing your hearts in this matter and your personal experiences again as i just said if you want to chat more about this please contact the office you know we're here on a sunday morning as well come if you want to know more about maybe you don't know jesus and you want to hear about this father you can go to when all is lost please come we'd love to tell you more about who jesus is that he loves you dearly and he made a way for you to be with your heavenly father again Amen. We're going to be carrying on this series next month as we look at the subject of discipleship. So we're going to be joined by Anna Fry and Margaret Tai, both of whom are amazing disciples and disciplers. So really looking forward to that conversation. See you then. Bye.